Thank you for listening to a message of grace. Today's message was recorded live at Grace Lutheran Church in Winnipeg, Manitoba on July 29, 2018. Pastor Bruce Gailhorn uses the example of King David and Bathsheba as an example of the abuse of power. He reflects on how little things can result in selfish acts and how the devil finds work for idle hands. Let's listen. It all began in terms of our journey through the Old Testament over a year ago when we talked about Abraham and how he answered God's call about 1800 BC. And of course, the patriarchs and Joseph and slavery in Egypt and being led out of Egypt. And now, after a period of judges, we're in the period of the kings. We're going to hear from King David about 10 times, 10 Sundays. We're in the midst of that right now. There's a few more Sundays we will hear from him. What you're going to hear today is a terrible, awful abuse of power that is all too common. Let us listen. A reading from Samuel. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab with his officers and all Israel with him. They ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David rose from his couch and was walking about on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. David sent someone to inquire about the woman. It was reported, this is Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So David sent messengers to get her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she was purifying herself after her period. Then she returned to her house. The woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. So David sent word to Joab, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab and the people fared and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. Uriah went out of the king's house, and there followed him a present from the king. But Uriah slept at the entrance of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. When they told David, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, You have just come from a journey. Why did you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah remain in booths, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will do not such a thing. Then David said to Uriah, 
remain here today also, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day. On the next day, David invited him to eat and drink in his presence and made him drunk. And in the evening he went out to lie on his couch with the servants of his Lord. But he did not go down to his house. In the morning David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. In the letter he wrote, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting, and then draw back from him, so that he may be struck down and die. In terms of our second lesson, there's a time in our lives, usually in our early teen years, where we know everything, and our parents know nothing. But as we grow in age and mature and expand our knowledge, we realize how little we know. In our second lesson, Paul prays that we would know the love of God that surpasses all knowledge. How can we human beings wrap our wee small minds around the awesomeness, the greatness, the magnitude of God's love and God's power to forgive. Paul tells us that this kind of growth in knowledge of God happens when we are rooted and grounded in faith. A reading from Ephesians. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power of through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. The Holy Gospel according to the sixth chapter of St. John. Glory to you, O Lord. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. And when he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, 
Simon Peter's brother said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the people to sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. And then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments that are left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. And when Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. And when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. And when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But Jesus said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. And then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land toward which they were going. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Several years ago, I was hugely, hugely disappointed when America's dad was accused of being a sexual predator. Bill Cosby. And then we have stories about movie moguls. Harvey Weinstein using his position to abuse young women. And of course, a movie that I loved, Pay It Forward, where one of the main actors is Kevin Spacey. The list goes on and on. It's kind of an R-rated sermon today. King David should have been with his army. They were at war. But no, he's at the palace. There is a saying, the devil finds work for idle hands. When you heard this text read by Peter, we don't hear a lot from Bathsheba. And is not that the way it usually is when someone has been sexually abused? The Bible doesn't gloss over this story they included, but if you look in your Bible, It classifies it as adultery. 
the heading. It wasn't adultery, it was rape. It was rape. Bathsheba was on the roof of her house for the Jewish rites of purification. She was doing nothing wrong. Nothing. She was following the laws. The laws of Leviticus and the laws of Chronicles. That from the beginning of her menstrual cycle, you'd wait 72 hours, and then you'd wait another seven days, and then there was the rite of purification. You would go to the temple and offer two turtle doves. You would go, and it involved cleaning with a bath or a shower, trimming one's fingernails, one's toenails, combing one's hair, brushing one's teeth. And then... It would involve being immersed, and it depends if you read Leviticus or Chronicles how many times they're immersed, but totally, completely submerged in water. And it can't be running water, it has to be still water. So totally immersed that you need an assistant to make sure that when you duck under all the water, your hair also all goes under. And after the first immersing, immersing, There is a blessing that the person says. Blessed are you, eternal God, ruler of the universe who who sanctifies us and has enjoined us. Blessed are you. And then immersed again, and then another blessing. Blessed is the eternal God of all. Has blessed me with this life and sustained me. And then yet a third blessing when it all is done. Hear, O Israel, the eternal, our God, the eternal is one. That is what she was doing. She was following the laws, minding her own business. But David sees her and is looking leads to longing, leads to lusting. He has her brought to the palace. And the Bible, if you heard Peter, it says he lay with her. Well, okay. He raped her. How is she supposed to say no to the king? It's a clear abuse of power a position of leadership, and he abused that. She goes home, and she's pregnant. She goes back to her abuser, which is a case many, many times, and he abuses her again. He has her husband killed. Her husband is a general in the army. He brings her husband back home because he expects him to go to his house to be with his wife so that it'll look like the child is his. But he says, no, I can't go back to my house when all my men are fighting. I'll stay here and guard the palace. His plan didn't work. So then he gets him drunk, thinking, I'll get him drunk and he'll go back home now. But no! 
He sleeps at the door of the palace. Uriah is a man of honor. David is not. And then he sends Uriah back to the war, back, and he, with the instructions that put Uriah on the front lines. And when the fighting gets the heaviest, give a signal and draw back from him. And he is killed in battle. And that's where our reading today ends. David takes Bathsheba as his wife. And depending where you read in the Bible, you know, the Bible sometimes is pretty fuzzy. We're not sure if he had five wives or eight wives. He had concubines too. So he had many wives. But he takes Bathsheba, the child doesn't live very long after childbirth. Bathsheba gives King David five more sons, one of which is Solomon, which you will hear about in a few weeks, who becomes king. It's an old story that's repeated far too often. Something begins small. It begins with looking and then longing and then lusting. And one sin leads to another, to another, to another. Someone gets hurt, and the next thing you know, someone's losing their life. It's an old, old story that reminds us, too, that there's that saying, the devil finds work for idle hands. He should have been with his men fighting. It's a story, too, that we hear played out in the news far too often about the abuse of power. The abuse of power. Now, many of us probably sit here and think, I have no power. But we do. A parent has power over a child. Older siblings have power over younger ones. A boss has power over an employee. A pastor has power over their parishioners because who else can talk for 15 minutes uninterrupted? This is power. And the power of the pulpit can be abused too. So one of the things this passage calls us today is to look at those areas in our lives where we have power and to use our power appropriately. Now, in preparation for this sermon, I had gone online and was checking all kinds of stats and stuff, and there's enough stats to be coming out of our ears. But I was shocked by a couple of them. One of the statistics I saw, and it's for Canada, is that one in three women will experience some form of sexual violence in their lifetime. One in three. And I certainly do not mean my sermon today to take people into a negative place or to heap guilt upon you or make you feel bad, but one in three. 
Another statistic that I found shocking was that 48% of 18 to 25-year-old men believe that sex with women too drunk to know what was going on was not rape. That's almost half of our young men think that if a woman's drunk, it's okay. What can we do? How can the church respond? Well, first of all, God proclaims over you and me that we are loved. We are good. We are capable. We're important. We're worthy. We are loved. And that's a tremendous message to be shared with all people in walks of life, that God loves us, that they are valuable, that they are loved. With Bathsheba, it appears no one was there to listen to her story. No one was there to stand with her. The one she turned to stand with her abused her again. But survivors need people to listen to them, to know that they're believed, to know that it's not their fault. It was not Bathsheba's fault that she was simply following the rules of her church, her society. So often when people come forward with these kinds of stories, there's the questions, well, what were you wearing? Were you flirting with them? How much did you have to drink? All these kinds of questions imply that they were the ones who did wrong. It's important for them to remember they did nothing wrong. We can stand with them. We can listen. We can walk with. We can encourage good self-care. We can go with them to do that self-care too. To the Y, ride a bike, eat properly, get rest. It's also important to respect their wishes too. Important that they heal in their own way and to ask them, what do you need? How can I help? To check in with them, a phone call, a text, an email, to get information, to help them. There's lots of things we can do as a church and as a people of God to stand with, to walk with, to listen to those stories and to remind them of what God reminds us of every week. I love you. You are mine. You are important. You are worthy, worthy, and you are capable. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to A Message of Grace. If you would like more information on our congregation and how we can be of service to you, please visit our website at www.gracelutheran.ca.
or check us out on Facebook. Peace be with you.